Welcome into College Golf Talk, Episode 2. Steve Burkowski, Brentley Romine with you as we put a wrap on the fall season already in November. How quickly the fall campaign has come and gone. Well, let's go back to the Eastlake Cup, Brentley. A couple weeks ago, we were in Atlanta for the fifth edition of the Eastlake Cup. Start with the men. Texas finally putting it all together. The preseason number one team beginning the fall campaign, defeating their conference rivals from the Big 12, Oklahoma State. What stood out to you for those few days in Atlanta on the men's side? I think, Berker, the thing that stood out the most was Texas is back. They, you know, they, they go out and shoot 10 under and that stroke play around and really saw the emergence of Travis Vick, their talented freshman. Cole Hammer played well. Pearson Cootie still battling that shoulder strain, but looked looked pretty pretty healthy but again is is Texas fully back we we haven't seen him at full strength too often in the fall and you just have to wonder if uh they're going to come out like we've seen them in the spring and and put it all together like they've done so oftentimes in the past I, I don't know I can't answer that question yet yeah, they ended the fall on a good note. And as John Fields, the head coach from Texas, told me at Isleworth a week earlier uh, before that Eastlake Cup, he said, we're trying to get healthy. This was the starting five for the most part he banked on seeing during the fall campaign. You alluded to some injuries, Cole Hammer missing some time with the Walker Cup and playing in the Houston Open on the PGA Tour. So if this is any indication, and then Travis Vick, maybe a coming out party. We knew he was highly regarded heading to Austin, but what he was able to do, I think that's an excitement that John Fields will take as 2019 wraps up, moving into the spring season. What intrigued me the most on the men's side is Oklahoma State. We talked about it in episode one. Victor Hovland's gone. Matthew Wolf is gone. Zach Boshu's gone. There's not a lot there in terms of name recognition. Austin Eckroad's still a part of the Cowboys team, obviously. And I loved what Alan Bratton, the head coach of the Cowboys, told me. That very young squad. Three freshmen that you might not recognize their names, but he said they're really good. And all these schools here were recruiting these young men, too. So for them to make it to the championship match after an indifferent fall season, you can make the argument Alan Bratton's doing one of his finest coaching jobs over the past few years of trying to really rebuild a program whose standards never change. You go to Stillwater, Oklahoma, you are expected to compete for championships. Yeah, I mean, they're they're still ranked outside the top 25. I think they're what they're... Uh... Just scrolling down their rankings, they are 54th right now. So they, they have a lot of work to do, and you mentioned they're young. I, I, I've had this conversation with people in the past couple months, and they ask, well, you know, is Oklahoma State, you know, how, how bad are they? And I'm like, I, I don't think they're that bad. I, I think with Rayhan Thomas, this is a kid who was a golf prodigy um, out of Dubai via India, if if he gets back to playing like he did a couple years ago when he almost won the U.S. Junior, um, and and you pair him with Austin Ekro, who didn't have a very good fall by his standards, um, his lofty standards, and then you add again another freshman and Brian Stark, this is a team that I tell people I wouldn't be surprised if they make it back to the NCAA's. Yeah, they're they're probably not going to win stroke play by 20-something shots like we saw last year in Arkansas, but it, it wouldn't shock me for them to get, get through regionals, but they they have to get a lot better because we saw some good things at Eastlake, but again, it, that's just a small sample size, and they really didn't prove or show anything the rest of the fall. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I think a lot of teams, whether you're Texas preseason number one or Oklahoma State, who had a lot to fill, quite honestly, when you take a look at Hovland and Wolf, they're going to be teaming up at the QBE shootout next month in December in Florida. So that just shows you how quickly they've made an impact in professional golf. But I am really, really interested to see how these guys progress, these youngsters, these newcomers in Stillwater, Oklahoma, heading into the spring. Let's segue over to the women at the East Lake Cup, Wake Forest. The ladies, they win for the third time in the fall campaign. And for my money, they're the team to beat right now Wake. in the middle of November. Okay. Because I think about what they had. Jennifer Cup show got all the notoriety. But she also set a standard. Kim Llewellyn, the head coach of Wake Forest, told me she built something. Jennifer Cupshow put her mark on the Demon Deacon team. So the standard is now higher. She won an individual national championship. She won the Augusta National Women's Amateur. But these players still on the team, Swing Lou, Amelia Miliacho, some youngsters that have come in and made an impact, they now look at what Jennifer Cupshow and Wake Forest women's golf now means from a national landscape. I love Kim Llewellyn's energy. The team mm-hmm. is really good. For me, again, in the middle of November, I'll take them. Yeah, they they certainly have a deep team, strong from top to bottom. We saw Rachel Keene win what I think is the toughest event they're going to play all season uh, in the Onica. I think uh, year in and year out, that's the toughest non-postseason field. But I think the I think the the women over in uh, Austin, Texas, might have something to say about us uh, nording Wake Forest, the the current national title favorites. I mean, uh, did, didn't say they were. Oh yeah, favorites, <laughs> favorites. They're, they're, I didn't say they were going to win the national title. And and don't get me wrong, yeah. Texas is good. Southern Cal. Oh yeah, I've seen more of Wake Forest. You mm-hmm. know, and what they've put together over the past couple of seasons, it intrigues me. And that's the fun part of conversations like this. Uh, not interrupting you, but it just, uh, you know, well, yeah. there are other teams that are certainly uh, very valid contenders. But that's right now in November Yeah, for me. T- t- So I, I think Texas is ranked number one in golf stat. And last year, um, it, it's funny, when I was talking to, to their head coach, Ryan Murphy, he was joking. He's like, I don't think a lot of people realize that we had three first-team All-Americans last year. And two of those, Caitlin Papp and Haley Cooper, have played this fall. Uh, Agat Lenny, I believe, has been out with an injury. We haven't seen her at all. But the emergence of Sophie Go, she just capped the fall with a, her first collegiate win uh, at the Bermuda event, uh, I believe. Um, actually, not, not Bermuda, uh, Bahamas. Um, so, I mean, she's, she's an impact freshman. And it, uh, it's funny, so I, I was actually looking – uh, through the golf type individual rankings, and of the top 15 players, eight are freshmen. So that's that's pretty cool. We talk about Wake having two. Texas has a good one, and I think that's what it's going to come down to. You're going to see a team, whether it's Arizona State and Lynn Grant or South Carolina with uh, Pauline Rochine Bouchard, you're going to see one of those freshmen step up even more this spring and, and lead their team on a run, I think. It's always fun to debate what we have seen throughout the fall campaign. That's sort of our impressions of the East Lake Cup and a perfect transition into the Q Series, the LPGA Tour wrapping that up uh, in the past couple of weeks. And it is time now for my annual rant and it, a great segue from Jennifer Cupshow, who went through that Q Series last year and was one of just two to defer her LPGA Tour status until after college, both Jennifer and Maria Fossey 
opting to finish out their obligations collegiately to go to the NCAA championships and then turn professional. Well, lo and behold, we had five young ladies, young young women, going to the Q Series this past fall, and four of the five have already said, bye-bye college, I'm going to professional golf. Jennifer Chang, who from Southern Cal, who said even before yep. she, she was leaving, Sierra Brooks from Florida, Frida Shinholt from, from Florida, Florida State. State, and then Tuesday night, Albin Valenzuela from Stanford on her Instagram saying, I'm going to pursue my LPGA and professional career. Andrea Lee, I exchanged text messages with her Tuesday. She said she's still deciding. She's wavering on what to do. It's an important decision. So potentially all five players that went are going to leave their schools in the dust and hanging for professional golf. Before I go off on my tirade, (laughs) where do you stand with what we continue to see every fall that women's college golf, basically they get a grenade thrown on many of the top programs and players. They go to the next level. These schools have to pick up the pieces. Yeah, I, I, I think it's important because we obviously don't want to deny these talented players uh, an avenue to, to the LPGA or, or the Symmetra Tour. You know, we don't want to want to say, oh, you have to you have to turn pro if you want to play in Q school. I know there's probably a lot of coaches that would like that. But the important thing is just to have an open communication with your coach. Let them know, you know, what your plans are so that they can plan ahead. And I'm not talking about, oh, you know, tomorrow, hey, I'm gonna play in, in Q series. Like we're talking about a year ahead of time so they can can plan ahead. You know, we're in the time where we're uh the, the early signing period started on Wednesday. And so it's a perfect time to kind of talk about how coaches need to have that advanced warning because they can't be left like Alabama was last year when Lauren Stevenson and Kristen Gilman uh, jumped ship. And, I mean, they went from being a team that I thought probably could have won it all to a team that, you know... They had two barely women that couldn't break 80. Yeah, barely. I mean, they probably shouldn't have been in regionals though they were able to build themselves a little bit of a cushion early before those players left but yeah I mean it 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 sucks to to see these players leaving their teams but at the same time you know the 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 end goal for all for all these girls there is is to make it to the LPGA to have success on the professional level and you know it's it, it would be unfair to to keep them from from doing that yeah I don't want to say you can't pursue a dream. You can't pursue a potential vocation for the next 10, 20, 30 years. You're entitled to that. You alluded to a few points that I believe the the model is broken. It does not work. And I've got no skin in the game other than I love college golf, both men's and women's. I think the easy fix is exactly what you just said. You want to go to the Q Series. You want to try for an LPGA or Symmetra card, you are a professional golfer. The safety net is taken away. I would think, could be wrong, that that would really make a lot of decisions more difficult. Do I really want to give this up? Because the players have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. They can either get a card and turn pro, or, hey, it didn't work out, I'm going back to school. You hit on a key point with Alabama, and people listening might say, well, no, you shouldn't deter them from chasing a dream. These coaches, for the most part, don't want to do that. But the scholarships that these young women have are theirs 
until they're not. And if that doesn't make sense, I'll try to explain a little bit more. You talked about a leeway ahead time. You know, Lauren Stevenson, Kristen Gilman probably were on full rides or close to it at Alabama. Two of the best players in the country. Mick Potter, the head coach at Alabama, his hands were tied behind his back because he had a strong sense they would leave, that they would play well, which they did. But he did not have those scholarships available all throughout the fall season until they finally said, Coach, we're not coming back. I can assure you there are very few quality players right now in this six-week window. Hey, we want you to come to Alabama. We want you to come to our school. It's a 6- to 12- to 18-month rebuilding of, hey, I do have a scholarship available now. Well, hey, wait, time is against us. I hate it. I can't stress it enough that I think there needs to be better communication. Talking to these coaches that have been impacted in the past, I said, well, what is the LPGA tour said? What is Commissioner Michael Wanset? He said, they've never talked to us. Now, I've heard they've talked to other Mm -hmm. maybe committees or other schools, but let's be perfectly honest and clear. This probably impacts between five and maybe 15 schools in the country. Yeah, but it's the best schools. Exactly. So why wouldn't you want to sit down with all of them? And again, maybe that has happened and I've not gotten that trickle-down information. I'm going off of what I've heard in years past from Mary Lou Mulfler four or five years ago when they were the number one team in the country, Washington, and they lost their two best players. And from a coach's standpoint, you can't tell – these players, if you want the best, to well, you can't stay. Or it's gonna Dan, be a, it's gonna be a hard sell. Dan it, Brooks has has done pretty well at at, at Duke with his with his no key yeah, school the, rule. The, and there have been, but but the, you're right. Yes, yeah, it's, it's if you want the best, you can't tell them. Hey, you are here for four years. Again, I think it comes back to let's have discussions. Let's decide because if you produce professional LPGA tour quality players, that makes your program a lot more attractive to get the next great junior recruit to come to your school to build a path. I go back to when Jordan Spieth was at Texas and he leaves a year and a half in. Obviously, Jordan made the right decision when we look at him now. But John Fields was happy from the standpoint he said he was a game changer the moment he signed. And now I can sell the fact that we help produce and help him grow a little bit. Bo Hostler, a similar path. Scotty Scheffler stayed all four, but he's on the tour playing well. Yeah, these coaches want to do it, and I know I'm rambling and ranting. I, I just hate it because let's say Andrea Lee does decide to join Albin Valenzuela and turn pro. Stanford would be on my short list of five or six teams right now that I think could compete for a national title. You take the best one-two punch in the country, away from head coach Ann Walker, they're not where Alabama was a year ago. There's some talent on that roster, but quite simply, they're not winning a national title without Albin and Andrea in 2020 at Greyhawk. Yeah, it's it's not like the football team to where they can, you know, there's always some two-star or one-star guy they can develop, you know, to be an edge rusher or, you know, things like that. It's, you're, you're right. Like, all of these players who who are signing during the early signing period, they've been they've been committed for a while, and you're not finding a diamond 
in the rough to come. I mean, maybe you get a guy to come early um, or a girl to come early, but that's a process that also has to be started because they have to make sure they get their their academics in order to be able to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just unfortunate. I, I do think Stanford will be okay. Uh, Angelina Ye, the, the freshman, she's the top-ranked player in the country right now. Aline Crowder's another person who I really like. Brooke Say, a freshman who has a lot of potential. So they're going to be okay, but I'm a little bit concerned with a team like Florida State who didn't have that great of a fall without Frida. And, I mean, she was an Annika Award finalist last year. Where does that team go? Where does where does Florida, Florida go? without Sarah Brooks? Now, do you, do you, I mean I think USC is probably still in pretty good shape uh, without Jennifer Chang. But yeah, I, I'm just I'm just a bit concerned about Florida and Florida State right now because those players meant so much to that program or to those programs. Yeah, I I hate to harp on it. We have it this annual discussion each and every year. It, it just frustrates me because I know little tweaks and changes have been made. But I'll stand true to my belief that women's college golf is collateral damage for what the Q Series and the LPGA Tour is doing. That's my opinion. Those are my impressions. I don't love it. And they're not going out and signing these mega contracts. Jennifer Cupshow, when she turned professional, not a lot of money. You're looking in the neighborhood of about $35,000 for a staff deal. With a club manufacturer. Here's Which argue- was surprising because she, she won the Augusta National Women's Amateur on national television. And won and- the NCAA championships the year before. When you get guys like Hovland and Wolf commanding, demanding, and getting millions of dollars, when the very best that came through here, and I've got this on very good knowledge, that about $35,000 was the deal offered Something to consider. You wonder the advice some of these players are getting or are they thinking, I'm going to be different. If Jennifer Cupshow isn't getting big dollars out of school, another layer to this whole animal. It's not like an NBA player or an NFL leaving early knowing they're getting millions of dollars. And how many stories do we see? Like Haley Moore. Couldn't be happier for that young lady to earn her LPGA card, but she had to start a GoFundMe page yeah. to even make this. I think people get stars in their eyes. I hate it. I'll stop it. But <laughs> one day it just has to change. Because as you said, the landscape of three, four, five teams is going to look very different. And a coach can only prepare so much, yet they can't tell their players to not chase their dream. So if, if anyone's got a great idea, let me know. But I think the simple fix is... You sign your name to that application, you are no longer an amateur, and I promise you those applications will decrease in number. Yeah, I mean, talking about the the money they're making with endorsement deals, I think you got to look at the other side of the coin with that because for for these these female players, if if you don't have your LPGA card, if you don't have any status when you turn pro, it's it's not like we've seen with Norman Zhang who was able to or has been able to you know kind of struggle to get started you know this last year and a half but he's able to fall back on the Callaway deal that he signed you know all all the endorsement deals that he signed so for these for these women that's that's 
probably their main source of income is is playing tournaments, being on the LPGA, um, trying to win, trying to to keep a job. Because if they don't have that, you're in a position where you're, you know, you're you're struggling. It's food for thought. Yeah. Well, I'll put that past us, but that's we'll my table that, a, yeah so. my annual rant on the Q series. And again, I do wish all these young women the best as they make their. Uh, foray and debut into professional golf. But as we sort of button up the fall season as a whole, we'll continue with the women. Give me some teams and players that, that stood out that you're buying now and saying this trend will continue in 2020. Well, we, we already touched on Texas. I, if, if I had to pick, especially with the recent news with Stanford, if I had to pick a, a new favorite to win it all, that's the team I'm going with. Another team that I've been very, uh, very impressed by has been Arizona. This is a team that lost Haley Moore, lost Bianca Pagdanan, um, but the the host sisters have kept them afloat, and and they're a top team, top ten team again. We saw them at the East Lake Cup. They didn't have you saying she was playing uh, in the swinging, swinging skirts. skirts, and uh, but her little sister Vivian, a freshman. She's she's been rock solid. So Arizona Arizona is a team I really like. Arizona State um, keeping it keeping it there. They're, they're obviously a lot of talks. About, uh, it's about the men's team hosting. Well, the women's team are going to have an <laughs> advantage too. And if Olivia Mahaffey can continue to get over that wrist injury that she suffered at the beginning of the summer, summer Lynn Grant I think could end up being the best player in college golf by the end of the spring. That's how good I think she is. So those are two teams who are definitely high on my radar. We obviously last pod we talked about Kent State. I uh, really like what what they've done, and you know, just continuing. You know, I'll harp on this again. Continuing to be impressed by by the freshmen. I mean, the the freshmen in the women's game, I think, are far outpacing their counterparts on the men's side right now. William Allis been good, Travis Vick's been good, but there are so many good freshmen right now in women's golf. You talk about Arizona, Laura Ionello, the head coach at Eastlake, telling me this atmosphere of this relatively young team is the most competitive she has had in her time coaching her alma mater. She said the personalities, the dynamics are different. So that's as a coach, sometimes it's not what happens on the course, but it's how do they get to gel and mesh. And I sort of said, well, maybe you'll have to have one of those retreats you had a couple years ago that helped you win a national title. (laughs) She said, oh, trust me, that is on the docket. Those are the positives from the ladies. Maybe a couple of disappointments or lackluster fall campaigns you've seen. Some maybe teams or players you're selling right now Hmm. until you see something better. Selling is a strong word, but... uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly been some some disappointing teams. I think probably the most the most disappointing has been Auburn. I, I know uh, Julie McCarthy has been battling a a wrist issue, and she, you know, she just returned the tournament. Yeah, she, she was out for two events yeah, in the fall. Events, played the Magnolia and the East, and it's, it's the different she, wrist from NCA. She is now battling issues. Yes, in both in. Those are your instruments when you're a golfer. Well, I've, I've been told a wrist injury is one of the hardest to get over. We've seen guys on the PGA Tour that were done done after wrist injuries. I, I don't think it's quite that bad. Um, she certainly didn't look like the player that she was last year at Eastlake. But aside from that, this is a team that brought everybody back from making the semifinals. Yeah, it was a surprise run, but you look at their fall results and – even though they were banged up, there's there's not a lot to like. And you know, I 
I say this because they did enter the season with such high expectations. So certainly you would have to chalk them up as disappointing just because of what they haven't been able to do. But yeah, that's that's a team that I'm just not real high on right now. And I don't I don't really see things getting much better unless Julian McCarthy gets healthy. Yeah, I take a look at Duke, the defending national champs, four or five back from that title team uh, in Arkansas this past May. And, and they didn't quite play very well at Eastlake. And I think that summarized their entire fall campaign. Dan Brooks telling me, uh, the head coach at Duke, that we've had flashes. We've had moments, but it's been a day or a round. It hasn't been a complete tournament. But he's been around 36 years. He's won 136 college events, seven national titles. But I would have expected more from this group that, again, brings four or five back. You add Erica Shepard to the lineup. He's been around the block. He's the best women's college coach of all time, in my opinion. But they're Duke, and, and they quite honestly didn't play well this fall. Yeah, you, you have to wonder if, you know, and, and I say this, and they won the national championship last year, but you have to wonder if the, the small roster is, is a reason why sometimes they get off to slow starts because you don't have that competition at home where if you don't play well, you're not traveling. You know, they, they, they do have... Yet they did have qualifying heading into Eastlake, and Jarvie Boonchan had to shoot 69 the last day to earn it. But to your point, Duke carries maybe six, seven players. Six, six players. Yeah. And, and last year they really only had five. So um, that, that could explain it. But, you know, at the same time, it's, it's early. You know, yeah, these, plenty of time. These, these girls are coming off a summer where they've played in pro events and amateur events. And it, we're seeing it on the men's side, too, with Texas. It's just we'll, we'll find out better. If, if we come back in May and they still haven't won and they're struggling, then I think we can press the panic button easily. Over to the men's side, teams, players that stood out for you that you're high on heading into next year. Well, so I, I was kicking myself during the first pod when I didn't mention BYU. And, <laughs> and But they were playing. They were in the middle of a tournament, that's so we true. didn't know if the streak true. was going to continue. Well, I, they, they, to me, have the player of the year right now, Peter Quest, a senior. He, he may play for a mid-major program. But he's as good as anybody in college golf. You know, we, we talk about oh, these some of these kids don't play tough schedules. They've played a pretty tough schedule. It's it's no C or D schedule. So Peter Quest, he's won three times already, coming off a year where I believe he won five times last year. So he knows how to win. And uh, you know, so you could argue John Augenstein, but he's yet to win, um, even though it's been a small sample size. So Peter Quest is a guy who I'm I'm all on the Peter Quest. Peter Quest bandwagon right now. I'm, if I had to vote right now, go and fill in that Haskins whoa, box. Whoa, whoa, it's only November. <laughs> but he's on our radar. Oh, so for sure. Other teams or uh, individuals on the men's side that you think accomplished what they needed to or perhaps even above uh, expectations beginning the fall? Yeah, so it's it's no secret that, that Notre Dame <laughs> had set a school record already with four wins in the fall they hadn't done that in a whole season before this year but I also like SMU this is a team who you wondered if they were going to have a little bit of a hangover from last year where they made it to the final eight obviously they had so much adversity last year but Noah Goodwin is playing like the top ranked junior that we all expected uh McClure Meissner has been another really steady player. He's also a junior. But Justin Thompson, this is this is a guy who has a really cool story, a uh, two-time cancer survivor, 
Um, he had he had leukemia uh, as a kid, and then had had skin cancer. So he's he's beat the disease twice, and has really developed and become a you know their number three guy. And those three at the top, I I don't see SMU going anywhere. Oklahoma intrigues me. National champs from twenty seventeen. Very good team. Texas Tech seemingly now pops up on the radar more often than not come the postseason. Georgia Tech, a a young team a few years ago that now has the U.S. Amateur champ. They have not been on the radar at the national championships since concession. Well, you have to get out of regional sometimes to get there, (laughs) but they've never won a national championship in men's golf. It's one of the most crazy? storied programs of all time. It's, and, and I keep waiting to say, all right, this is the Yellow Jackets year. They're in the top five or six of the rankings. They're a very good team. I'm curious to sort of put a little laser focus on them as the spring progresses. Will a team now that has a lot of experience, that has a lot of talent, what will they do? Well, which Yellow Jackets team is going to show up? The one that you know, won their first two events of the fall or the one that finished 10th in their home event at Golf Club at Georgia against a great field. So uh, still, still, even though they're ranked third in the country right now, they're still a, a pretty big question mark to me, despite all that talent. Pepperdine was a sexy pick. They had a solid fall campaign. They're looking to make some waves, if you will, and some noise <laughs> in the postseason in 2020. And then Arizona State, as you alluded to it, they're hosting the national championships at Greyhawk. Indifferent, we both spoke with Matt Thurman at Isleworth. He's not worried. Sometimes I think these coaches like their kids to get humbled, kicked in the teeth a little bit to realize, don't read all the press. You've got work to do. People are gunning for you. So I think a few of the squads that we will be keeping an eye on as the uh, spring season will be here before you know it. We're also going to wrap things up with this fall campaign. We're glad you joined us on College Golf Talk. But we're going to really – Go full speed ahead early in 2020. We've got a lot of great interviews that lined up, some that you did at Isleworth, and we'll continue to keep our finger on the pulse of college golf. We'll sort of button up signing day and where some of these new recruits are heading once everything becomes official over the coming days and weeks ahead. And then we'll be back at Pasa Tiempo. Happy to have that event, the Western Intercollegiate, on our air. And then, of course, the regional selection shows, the updates, the two weeks in Arizona, as we sort of put a wrap on 2019, what is the biggest thing as a whole, the broad landscape of men and women's college golf that you look forward to the most as you continue to be you know, all in on covering this game? Yeah, I, I think the interesting thing I'm looking forward to the most is how is Greyhawk going to be as an NCAA host? You know, Are we going to see these teams just absolutely tear it apart. Is it going to play tough? I've heard that they've they've narrowed it a little bit, but we're going to be there for three years. So that's one thing I'm, I'm looking forward to getting there. I know it's five, six months away, but that's the biggest thing. And, and how much of an advantage is, are the Arizona teams going to have? I mean, Greyhawk is a desert golf course. It's a, for any of us that have played desert golf, it's just a, it's a different test. And it's a test that the teams in Florida and the teams in the SEC don't really see a whole lot. So that's going to be something that I'm going to keep an eye on. I realize I have to wait until <laughs> until the end of the spring to to see it. But to me, that's the most important storyline. What about you? Yeah, I mean, it all ramps up to it. The fall campaigns, I've always looked at it covering this for 20 years of, I've always said it's the appetizer. It's the shrimp cocktail 
to the big menu that's ahead. It's a six, eight, ten-week window. The break from now to the spring is sometimes longer than the break these players and teams have from NCAs to the fall. So it's the time, honestly, to re-energize. Like John Augustine, Cole Hammer, these guys, just to name a few, have gone for eight, nine, ten months, and everyone's going to say, whoa, it's me, you're playing college golf, you're playing amateur golf, suck it up. they got to get it done in the classroom. They've got to stay eligible. Some of these kids actually do want to stay for four years and get a degree and realize the odds are stacked against them at the next level. So I want to see who regroups, who comes out fresh, because once you're done the appetizer, then it comes fast and furious in the spring. And we'll get into the 500 rule once – the spring moves on. Who's maybe on the outside looking in that we teams. didn't think? And yeah, you look at it now, but that's something we'll, that's the present we'll unwrap in <laughs> 2020. But uh, I want to see the sample size now and how it translates, good and bad. Who's going to improve? Who will stand uh, where they are now? And, and, and who's going to drop down? There are going to be teams that had great fall seasons that, for one reason or another, aren't going to be that same squad next year. So so the big picture, that's what I'm uh, anticipating and looking forward to in 2020. But again, thanks to you, Brentley. It's been a blast for a couple of College Golf Talk podcasts in 2019. We will continue to ramp it up. We'll be back in late January and really set the scene for what will be a great four months ahead. And we'll peak with our two weeks at Greyhawk and the NCAA Championships. We wish all of you the very best of a holiday season and look forward to seeing you in 2020. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.